0: so today I want to continue and talk about, remember the last time, the week before last, we spoke about the nature of the call. Last week we spoke about discovering your call. And remember, I, I keep saying, we will keep talking about these things because Revelation is progressive. There's never a sermon that can be preached that exhausts everything. Languta ikir but we'll keep talking about these things until they make sense into your personal context and when you can walk in your calling. So today I want to talk about the call to ministry. The call to ministry. When people talk about ministry, you know when but And when you sitting there and you say, "Amen," you, you have a sense that God has called the man of God. Right? and so that also translates to saying people say I'm called to ministry. And then the question is, what are you called to? And you say, "Me, now as a pastor, I'm called to what? To minister. Where now, are you called to? The evolution of words or decontextualization give rise to the misuse thereof, and escalates to open-ended interpretation and consequently erroneous applications." Sounds like English, doesn't it? But all it means is that words change over time. Words are grammatical but evolve with the use in context. In other words, there is a word that you know it means this today. Tomorrow, somebody chooses to use it out of its ordinary grammatical use. Let's take, for instance, sharp. What does the word sharp mean? Eh? You understand that? So, if we say you are decontextualizing. Does that make sense to you? You are taking it out of its original Meaning. So if I say sharp, you you see what you are all thinking. Now think about this. If I say I have some sharp things in the room, what are you thinking about? So watch, this is what happens. Mwahi comes to my house and I say to Muay, Mwahi, I have some, okay, let's say Muahi is singing. So I say, hey, I have some sharp stuff in the room. So he gets in my house. There's a beautiful lady sitting on the couch. And clearly there are knives on the table. And there are other good stuff. What do you think he's likely to think? So friends, but you understand when we say sharp, (laughs) it actually means this thing. It has a piercing potency. But you see, in South Africa, when we say sharp, now you have to wonder which one we mean. You know, if we say, hey, this guy is sharp. Hey, I don't know, I don't know which sharp do I mean. Is he clever? Is he good with the girls? Is he, yeah, and all other shops. So what does that mean? It means the evolution of the word, the way we use that word, has the meaning. And therefore, each time the word is used, it's open to different interpretations. sa na na riki because I mean, sharp can mean anything these days. And therefore, if it is open to interpretation, I agree we have decontextualized. We took it out of its original meaning. And now we have given it many interpretations. So with many interpretations also comes erroneous application. Which means now we are going to apply the word wrongly because we interpret it differently. And that's what has happened to the word ministry. Because ministry as a word means different things to people now. If you go to the government and you say ministry you know the government use the word ministry. And they don't mean a pastor. When you speak to Christians and they say, I am in ministry. They speak about being a pastor. And normally, a church member does not say, I am in ministry. The day they become pastors, they say, do you know now I am in ministry? You know that, right? And so... If I'm just a guy walking in the street and you say to me, I'm a minister, depending on which sphere of influence I find myself, I might ask you, uh, from which department? Why? Because I think maybe you are from agriculture. I uh, know, uh, from Cosmos City. What? Which government department is Cosmos City? No. Uh, so that tells you that that word does no longer mean exactly what it initially was intended to mean. Because if five people can interpret it in five different ways. You know those that were, my wife was ministering to me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think that has nothing to do with the Bible now, does it? (laughs) You understand what I'm talking about? So, with that being the case, if a particular word defined my destiny and my encounter with it is void of its etymological significance and meaning, then I can spend my whole life toiling away from my destiny because I'm on a What does that mean? Don't mind, uh, This sounds. it sounds like English, but this is what it means. If there's a word like ministry, that word defines my destiny in God. But if a word like that, the first time I hear it, it is already wrongly interpreted. It means I am going to follow the wrong interpretation. And when I follow the wrong interpretation... I will, in the process, miss my call in God. So if I hear a minister, and my understanding of the word minister means some member of the legislature, already I consider that I am not. I'm not a minister because I'm not part of government, whether local or You understand that? Therefore, I will not apply that word to myself. Because the meaning is not the original one. It's the modern one. So you will lose your destiny because you will work hard. So let's talk about ministry today. Again, we spoke about the nature of the call. The other time we talked about the cost of the call. We spoke last week about discovering your calling. Today we want to talk about the call to minister. Let's define ministry for ourselves. A verb to minister simply means to render a service, to give aid to or to be a waiter. So if you say "I, I minister. You basically mean, I am rendering a service. I am doing something unto a person or for the person. You you all understand that. And therefore, its basic meaning, simply put, is that ministry simply means rendering service. Or waiting upon someone. It has the implications of being a waiter. See, when I'm a waiter, I don't necessarily have to be a slave. So ministry can be applied to a bond servant, a slave, or a free person who just renders. So if I'm a waiter, I am not a slave, but I give service. You understand that type of thing. Ministry, therefore, is equivalent when we say it. E- Equivalent, we say, another way that we can still talk about is being a a servant. Are you still there with me? The implication, therefore, is that all ministry is, is work done for or unto others. So ministry is work done. Or service rendered the new testament generally used the word deacon to talk of those who serve or render services to others a minister therefore whether in secular context or religious context is simply one who is responsible to render services to others hence we have the strikes and demonstrations against the lack of services people are saying they, 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 are, they are striking. Why are they striking? Because they are saying, you are ministers. You are supposed to give us service. But you are not giving us service. Therefore we strike. Why? Because we are expecting work to be done on our behalf. You understand that type of thing? I want you to think about it. If we can toy toy against the ministers... In the government, I'm sure you can finish the question. <laughs> Ministry in the body of Christ, therefore, is the outflow or the enactment of our calling. Remember, we said our calling is what God has created and designed us to do. So, if I say I minister, it means I am enacting, I'm putting into practice that which God has purposed for me to do. So ministry is an enactment of our calling expressed through the various gifts in service to God. Remember, calling is what God has purposed for me to be and to do. Gift is the ability that God has put in my life to fulfill the calling. I agree we did that. So now, if I say I am ministering, if I understand that I was created in Christ, Ephesians 2.10, you should know it off by heart now. I was created in Christ. I'm a workmanship created in Christ. To do what? Good works. What does that mean? To be a minister. To render service. So the Bible says, this service God prepared beforehand that I may render it in Christ. But how do I render this service? God has given me gifts to do that. So when I do what God has asked me to do, I'm rendering service to God and to other human people or, or, or rather the humankind in line with what God has called me to do, are you still following? So we say, therefore, ministry in the body of Christ is the outflow or the enactment of our calling, expressed through the various gifts in service to God, to the church, and humanity in general. Since we are all called and gifted by God, we have established that before again. or we are all called and we are all gifted by God. Ephesians told us, we, were, we read, First Peter 4.10, that all of us have gifts that we must use as good stewards of the grace of God. To each one, a gift is given. Remember, we have talked about that. Therefore, if you are gifted and called to do good works, guess what you are? A minister. And therefore, we are all in ministry. That is the proper understanding of what ministry is. Regardless of context, ministry is simply the fact that all of us were created to do some work in service to God, to the church, and to the humankind. Therefore, all of us are in ministry. So it's not just pastors that are in. You and I are in minister. In the secular context or corporate, when people do not fulfill their obligations as service providers, there are consequences. But since in the church, the lopsided interpretation has made the pastor or the deacons, the only ministers, and the rest of the congregation's recipients, there is no expectation for the church members to do work of the ministry or to fulfill their calling in God. You see, it's a sad thing. Where well, we have used the word so wrong such that now the minister is the pastor and the deacons. Now, when are you are no longer expected to do the work of the ministry, you are no longer expected to fulfill your call except to pay the pastor and his staff. I've put that in my notes. The congregation is normally convinced that taking care of the pastor is their primary call. It is not. Taking care of the leaders is the responsibility of the congregation not their calling. You must go and read Galatians 6.6 says "If, if we share spiritual things with you, you must share with us material things. Paul says, First Corinthians 9 14, he says, Those who preach the gospel must live by the gospel. First Timothy five, seventeen and eighteen, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the way. It says, For a, a worker deserves his wages. So, in essence, yes, God has called us, but you still have to pay us. Don't worry, one day I'll talk about these things. But unless we are open with these things, we become what God has not intended. I we told you, pastors are not supposed to twist people's arms and rob them. We don't have to stand here and say, if you give thousand, God will do. No, God has not said he'll do that. So I'm lying if I say he said something that he did not say in his way. God, no. There's no verse that says God said if you give thousand, I'll give you a hundred thousand. There isn't. So I don't have to stand here and twist you. You just have to know what the Bible says and do it. That's all. That way, you won't have these pastors angry and hungry bleeding on the pulpit wanting their livelihood. That's a detour. To understand the call of God upon our lives... We must, amongst other things, look at the gift he provided for us to do what he created us to do. If you look at the gift, you will get the idea about ministry. Paul says that he does not want the Corinthians to be ignorant when it comes to spiritual gifts. One of the reasons, he says, I don't want to, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, Brethren, I don't want to, uh, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. One of the reasons is because there's misuse and abuse of the gift. One of the reasons also is the fact that the devil will control you by using fake gifts. That is why the devil will bring a problem into your life. You will take it to a sangoma that is found in Acts chapter 16. You know the sangoma that we find in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says this Sangoma was able to tell stuff. She said, these are the men of God. There was nothing wrong about what she said. In fact, in our churches, we would have made her a P.R.O. (laughs) Why? Because she says the right things. The Zulu Bible says, this girl had umoya Obungoma. But because there was discernment on the part of the apostle, he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. The point I'm making is, that girl would have prophesied everything about your life. And then you would have believed the truth spoken by a false prophet. Because remember, false prophet does not mean liars necessarily. It means they tell you the truth and build a bondage lie around your life. So they tell you the truth, you believe it, and then they start binding you with lies. That's why then a Sangoma says to you, this and this happened, last week there was an ex, yes, 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 now (laughs) ukolota ba dimuzuka. And they say you need to pay the ancestors five cents because you stepped on a five cent now, imagine, if you stepped on a five cent then they they travel you, they charge you a cow. That's a big price to pay for just stepping on a five cents. Why? Because the five cents was full of bad luck. And from that time you live out of fear based on the initial truth you heard from a lying spirit. Are we still okay? But one of the reasons I want us to look at Is that when we understand or when we just read through the gift of God. We will realize that the spiritual gifts actually highlight the grace of God. The grace of God is not only saving but it is also empowering and enabling. Every call, remember we said if you are called by God, God gives grace for that call. And that is why Paul says grace was given to me. He says, unto each one of us, grace is given. Grace, which means charis, gives birth to gifts, which are the charisma. repeated charismatics. Yeah. It's good that you don't know that. Good for you. If you don't know that, Basalani. But basically, we say grace is unmerited favor, unmerited blessing, unmerited benefit. If grace is charis, and the gifts of grace are charisma, remember we say grace is the one that gives birth to the gifts. Now watch. If grace is unmerited favor, then gifts are Unmerited endowment. Unmerited empowerment. <laughs> because But he gave you the grace. And so he also gives you the gifts to do stuff supernaturally that you could not do because you did not deserve to do it. But he allows you to do it. Gifts. Therefore, operate according to the measure of faith given to the individual and as the Spirit wills. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Now, I want you to, let's just do this exercise. God gives grace. We are saved by grace through faith. Now, the calling upon your life, Paul calls it grace. Right, grace saves you, grace appoints you, which means I'm in the call of God by grace, and then grace gifts you. Therefore, we call them the gift of grace. You you understand? So nothing is without grace. Now, having said nothing is without grace. When you decide to move out of the sphere of grace upon your life in your calling and gifting, you may not only be missing your calling, but endangering yourself and those in your sphere of influence. If I'm a pastor, I have grace to be a pastor. I don't have grace to be a businessman. And sometimes we want to be everything and end up destroying others. So friends, when we say you must walk in your call, we're actually saying you must understand what God has given you grace to be and to do. And stop pursuing what you don't have grace for. When you don't have grace for something, you become danger to yourself and to others. Some gifts are clearly supernatural, whilst others seem natural. Yet all are in fact spiritual and supernatural. Wow. Powerful. Others are like, okay, I'm just going to read through a few of them. And then we'll finish the rest next time. When we do meet. If we do meet. Prophecy. In in Romans 12, these are are from verse 3. These are the gifts. It says, if there is prophecy, use it to pro- in proportion to your faith. Which means, don't just prophesy. In suit, we had a guy, they phone on radio. Pastor, prophesy me. Yes, I see a black dog in your yard. <laughs> we must prophesy as the spirit wills and in proportion to our faith. Now, I have highlighted, because we don't have this, uh, the projector, you won't see the ones I've highlighted. These are other Calls that I want, gifts that highlight our cause that I want us to talk about in the life of the church. Serving, the King James says ministry. If he says, if you are called to serve, save. Have you realized that people who are called to serve have no clue what they are called to? We'll talk about it. Teaching, teach. Encouraging, encourage. There, here's another highlight. Contributing to the needs of others. The King James says giving. He says you must do it generously. You know to give generously you must have something to give. So chances are there are people who are called to be business people and make lots of money so that they can give. Jenner, you know there are Bible verses that address specifically the rich. Yeah, yeah teaching them to give and share. Yeah? We'll talk about that. <laughs> Leadership govern diligently. Showing mercy. Says there are those who are just gifted. Remember, grace appoints and grace gifts. And if grace gifts, gra- the gift highlights the call itself. Now, look at what happens showing mercy. You realize that our church is like such people. It's left to a pastor who does not even have the gift of showing mercy. Have a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith. And I have highlighted, it says gifts of healing. Not gift of healing. We will talk about that. Working of miracles, prophecy, descending of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues, apostles, prophets. And then this is what I have highlighted, helps. If God has given me the, the gift of helps, what does that mean? administrations. All these, the ones I've highlighted, does not sound spiritual. But can I say once again, when we stand before God, we are not going to account for what we were never graced to do. You understand that? And therefore, I need to understand when it says helps, what does it mean? God also endows people with special abilities to do what seems natural With supernatural powers. In Exodus chapter 31, this one will highlight it in details next time. There are two guys, Bezalel and Oholiab. God says, I have put my spirit upon these guys. Now these guys were going to do, they were going to build the tabernacle. He says, with all stonework, art, craft, there are people who by the anointing and the spirit of God are builders. They do stuff that you and I think, "Ah, I can do that. You can't do it with greater divine efficiency as them. But because they don't understand, they think theirs is nothing. The reasons people do not properly respond to their call to ministry effectively are many. But here are a few ones that I want to mention. And we will highlight the rest next time. One is the misapplication of the ascension or the fivefold gift. One of the reasons most of us don't serve God in our call is because the fivefold or ascension gift ministers are doing the wrong job. The Bible says he has appointed them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to lead churches. No. To carry around titles, apostle, doctor. No. Friends, listen. When we misapply what God has given, we destroy people's lives. Here's what it says. For the equipping of... For what? I should not feel justified to stand here and blow your heads off when I am not equipping you for the work to which you are called. In fact, if we were to just apply the scriptures roughly, we would actually go as far as saying, no, pastors are just supposed to train those that are called into ministry. Then we can put a wrong interpretation and say, because they are not. Because it says they must equip who for what? who's supposed to be doing the work of the minister? yeah but why is that our emphasis is that pastors are in ministry? why we do not emphasize the priesthood of all believers as the work of the ministry Are we still okay? With I'm trying to rush. The ascension gifts have been turned exclusively into ministry. I'm, a, I'm an evangelist. You know, I'm in ministry now. What do you do? I'm in ministry. What do you do? I go around preaching tents. Where's the verse that says you must go around preaching tents? Friends, and I'm not being funny. I'm saying, let us do the revealed will of God first before we run into specifics that are not revealed in the will. The specifics of the fivefold ministry starts like this. To equip the saints. When last time did you hear an evangelist coming into a setting like this to equip the saints, if you've ever heard? Never. Never. But wherever he is, he's convinced, I'm doing what God has called me. Yeah, perhaps in the context of turning Samaria and turning the whole seat. But how about the verse equipping the saints? He's not doing the wrong thing, turning the seat around, you understand? But he's lopsided in the application of his calling. And these have been made to be. Church leadership gifts. Emma, I'm an apostle, I have to lead a church. There's no verse that says that. There's no verse that says all those fivefold giftings have to lead churches. That's why it is said when 1 Timothy 5 17 says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church, who govern, who rule. Sometimes you are a pastor and you say, I'm not an elder. Why? Why, are you, why are you directing the affairs of the church when you are not one? Because there's no verse that says you should. I get it, that is church governance. Ooh, that story of overseers, deacons, bishop, you know that. But I'm saying, why should I stand here and misappropriate the verse when I want money? Listen, the Bible says the elders who direct the affairs of the church. But I've just told you I'm not an elder. These are my boys. The elders. I'm the senior guy. They are my boys. But when I want the money, I use the same verse that excludes me and includes them to get the money. And Luluna, you are happy to give it based on the wrong interpretation. Are you still there? Okay. Let me just read the rest and give over to Mark. Why are we not fulfilling our calling? It's because the people who stand here to train us are not doing what they are supposed to do. I'm going to blow your heads now. I'm going to say something, I count to three, just keep it in your mind. Because if you miss it, half of your life is gone. Friends, sometimes you think we are too simple. The reason we are too simple is because the job is not to blow your minds off. It's to equip you. That's why we preach vegetables most of the time. And I know some of you don't like vegetables. But we have to because they are good for you. Ice cream will make you sick. You'll go, hey, it was nice at church. Yes, what did you learn? Uh, Decontextualization. What does it mean? I don't know. How does that help you to do what God has called you? Ignorance. My people perish. We'll talk about it. Esteeming one gift over the other, thereby despising the giver. People despise God by saying, I wish I was. You are saying to God, you've given me the wrong gift. You don't know how to disperse gifts. You are supposed to give me apostleship. Now you are giving me helps. You are despising God, even though whenever you think... I want to be, be what God has called you before you desire any other thing. Secularizing the divine, concluding that what God has entrusted you with is just a job. There are other people who take what God has given and do it like a job. and That's why most people don't fulfill. God has called you to be an administrator. You just do it at work, and at work you are good. But in the body of Christ you think, ah, no, no, I just do this at work. No service unto God, to the church, and to the human kind in general. Looking down on oneself, shamed by the work of God. The Bible says, Psalm 139 says, from verse 14, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But when you despise yourself, you say, I'm so ashamed of what God has done. When God did me, He did not do a good job. And so friends, let me conclude, let me just land it here. All we do as we seek to fulfill the ministry must be influenced by these two things. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbors, you love yourself love is the greatest motivator. If we are not motivated by love, we cannot be on God's side and do what he wants to be done. Two, if we are not motivated by the great commission, we have no intention of fulfilling our mandate. So those two things, if you say, today I understand God has called me to minister, then you must ask yourself, is all that i'm doing out of the compassion is it fueled by love in all that i do do i intend to obey god such that men can be reconciled to him shall we stand up in jesus name? are you still okay yeah if god is good you can clap your hands just want us to take a few minutes and just thank God. Mahu will come and just wrap up. But here's what I want us to do. Friends, when we sit in our offices and dream about what are we going to buy and what, that is not ministry is work done those of you who have done science you know if you push wall a wall how how much is the work done zero unless it falls. so if you exert force on an object that does not end up moving you have not done anything and so most of us, we put energies in things that have no eternal value. And we think we will stand before God and get a reward. We won't get anything for doing nothing. Even though the energy was expended on you on that thing. So as, as you waste time on stuff, remember. Ask yourself, am I compelled by the love of God? And am I compelled by the desire to see others coming to know their saving Lord, Jesus Christ. If not, consider what you are doing. Start thinking about it. You know, Find ways and means to give meaning to other people's lives. Because that's what ministry is all about. The work that we do to bring meaning to others. So I just want us to pray and ask God in your heart that God, help me understand open my eyes to the call upon my life and the gifting it's a process but it happens when our hearts are open to it not when we still think others are better to do what god has called and run now, we are not if you disqualify yourself it's sad because nobody else can qualify you god has already qualified you <laughs>